Hey there, and welcome to the audio read for the best of piece, My Oregon Trail, by myself, Logan Warbenson. I hope you enjoy. When do you want to leave? The question hung in the air as I considered the near limitless possibilities. I'd sat here at this Missouri outpost dozens and dozens of times before. I always loved the fact that the trail started off in the state I was raised in. It's something small, but it always connected me a bit more to this storied trail. I had learned the harsh lessons of leaving too early and discovering the land was still frozen solid, devoid of any food or animals. The demise of my party on that trip still cut raw with me. Not right away, I thought to myself. Maybe wait until the summer, I thought. Suddenly, the terrifying memories of leaving in the summer, far, far too late in the year, came flooding back to me. Everything was perfect. Shockingly so. Animals littered seemingly every square inch in sight. Crops were bountiful, and nobody for a second thought of going hungry. But the Oregon Trail is a long and vicious mistress. And one second she'll turn on you and make you realize that leaving in the summer means trying to finish the journey in the winter. I doubt anyone ever discovered the remains of that trip under the mountain of snow we were buried beneath as we tried to cross the Rockies. Shit, I quietly muttered under my breath. I hadn't even started yet and already the trail was outfoxing me. It felt as if every possible time to leave I had tried already and failed at. This only seemed to fuel the belief that some had that the trail was a siren in disguise, calling and luring people over with its beautiful and enchanting promises of a new start out west, of a land of adventure, bounty, and freedom, of having your name written in the annals of history if you were to complete it, only for you then to crash and destroy yourself on the rocks of pride, ambition, and foolish hope. The thought flashed through my mind for just a second, before anger quickly knocked it aside. It had to be possible. I just know I can do this. I just know. Finally, I picked a time that I thought was neither too late in the year, as it was before the summer started, but also not too early. I wasn't leaving in January or anything. I quickly gathered up the rest of my supplies and went outside. My merry band of fellow adventurers awaited me. Named after my decade-plus collection of friends, Brandon, Matt, Charles, and Josh were with me on this journey to either immortality or yet another failure. Part 1. Go west, young man. A blazing sun rose early in the morning, blanketing us in a sea of warmth. A stunning blue sky coupled with the vibrant purples of spring greeted us as we left. It was impossible not to be overtaken with a powerful sense of hope, with the belief that this journey was something special, that we were blessed right from the start. Greatness awaits, the world seemed to be saying, and I for one never need to be told twice to go chase after greatness. 2,000 miles long and covering the vast extremes of geographical challenges in America, the Oregon Trail was famed for good reason. 
You had the quiet farms and last vestiges of civilization when you left Missouri. The great American desert and rolling barren prairie lands awaited us next. Nothing seemed to live there except the buffalo. After that, the towering and mighty cliffs of the Rocky Mountains would need to be crossed. Its peaks reaching up and disappearing into the clouds. The tops of the snow-covered mountains seemed high enough to touch the heavens above. And after all that, well, then you just had the easy trek down the mountains and race to the Columbia River before the winter hit and your trek would be devastated by the cold and disappearance of all other life. If you somehow managed to reach a river before winter, all that kept you from Oregon City and your brand spanking new home was one last ride down the fast-running and chaotic body of water that was the Columbia. Many an adventurer had risked it all, braved the heights of the mountains, staved off hunger, fear, and disease, only to lose it all at the last second on the roiling and petulant Columbia River. I did my best to push all of those thoughts out of my head as our wagons rolled past people living on the very outskirts of society and what we Americans thought of as the known world. My tiny group left it without even looking back. The first few days passed without much commotion. Leaving as early as we did allowed us the option to take a middle-of-the-road approach to our speed. We also carried with us a plethora of food, medicine, and other equipment. I had learned my lessons from the past. I had everything down to a science, and I did what I could to keep everyone happy and as well-fed as one can be on a cross-country journey during the Old West. Then we hit the Big Blue River. We had to cross this turbulent, tumultuous, and chaotic force of nature. Many a trip had its wheels come off at this point. Slowly and carefully, we crossed the river. As we reached the middle, the deepest point, I held my breath, and everything slowed down. And then... Nothing. We crossed without incident, and hope grew stronger within me. We could do this. Days later, as I sat outside hunting, hoping to provide some meat for the group, I couldn't believe the good fortune that had befallen my little band so far. It was unbelievable. Everything seemed to be going perfectly for us. The Oregon Trail wasn't fighting back in the ways I was used to. It made me happy, of course, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little unnerved as well. I came back to the camp and decided that after the successful hunt, the whole group deserved more rations and a bigger meal tonight. It's so rare to find a day to celebrate, to let your guard down and enjoy yourself while on the trail. And so, we ate, we laughed, and had ourselves a merry old time. Staying up late into the night, talking as the stars blazed overhead, the gods watching over and wishing us luck on our journey. We were a third of the way through the expedition, and everything was perfect. It was the last good day for months. Part 2. It Never Stops Rain 
unyielding, miserable, and never-ending rain greeted us in the morning. Our pace was slowed by this. The soil turned to mud, getting clogged in everything. The horses were covered in it, the wheels of the wagon were coated in it, mud and the rain made life a hell, made the journey west a grueling, tiring slog. Matt broke his arm, almost certainly trying to push the damn wagon out of the muck after it got stuck for the thousandth time. The trip all but ground to a halt as he waited on him. We didn't want it to turn into anything more seriously. Our hopes weren't answered. Matt had dysentery. We were so close to the next fort where I hoped Matt could get the attention he needed and where we could resupply for the next leg of the journey. I was forced to stop just short of the fort, concerned for the very life of Matt. So we stopped and stayed pat for a day. You could see Matt fighting for his very life, coughing, sweating, and clinging on with everything he had in him. He was fighting, but he was also clearly at the end of his rope. We waited there a second day too, then a third. Finally, on the fourth day, Matt began to improve. We left immediately and made it to the fort within a day or two. We, we had all made it. We had survived the hell of the never-ending rain and the near loss of one of our own. Resupplied and buoyed by all of this, we left the fort feeling just a little bit better. More confident that maybe, just maybe, we could do this crazy thing. Then Charles got cholera. We slowed down again and eventually were forced to stop. I was forced to spend my days hunting for food hoping against hope that he would improve. But I knew this story. A happy ending for everybody wasn't in the cards. He got weaker and weaker, slowly losing his grasp on everything else. He began to fade, and there was nothing me, Brandon, Matt, or Josh could do. We just watched. We just stood there. He was going. Frantically, I thought maybe if we traveled fast enough to get to the next fort, somebody there could save him. Deep down, I knew the minute we left, he would only get worse. And that's what happened. We had to stop again and continue to burn more time. Charles died on a day where the rain never stopped. The weather was awful, and the scent of despair filled the air. He had just wanted to go west, to find his fortune and fame. He died broken and a husk of himself, in the middle of nowhere in a field in Nebraska. Hardly the Indian he or the thousands of others who perished along the trail envisioned. Fortune favors the bold, they say. Yeah. Well, sometimes fortune's a bastard. Part 3. Glory or Death.
The air outside was a bit colder. The days of summer were long gone, and fall now surrounded us. We hadn't really felt it until this morning. We had crossed the Rockies, made our way through Wyoming, and now found ourselves in Idaho, towards the journey's end. But the air was cold. A flash of fear rippled through me. Did we have enough time to make it to Oregon City? Would this be another trip that was crushed by the devil that was winter? We still had a few months, but so much time had been lost due to the sickness, snake bites, and death we'd encountered along the way. A black cloud had hung over us for some time after Charles' death. It was only recently that things seemed to begin to turn in our favor. We were just a day or two away from the Blue Mountains, one of the key markers that we were nearing the end of our journey. We'd come so far, spent months traveling, and now, here we sat at the conclusion of our adventure. The mountains loomed on the horizon. Soon we found ourselves trudging through the Blue Mountains, and before long, Without much difficulty at all, we'd crossed them, and were at the final leg of the journey. All that kept us from our glory and getting our names etched in the history books was a short raft down the Columbia River. I had never made it this far. This would quite literally be uncharted waters I was finding myself in. I had no idea what lie at the end of the rafting expedition. So many smashed wagons and hopeful souls had been lost here, at the eleventh hour of the journey, due to the swirling and treacherous waters of the Columbia. Only the Oregon Trail would have its final task be crossing one of the fastest and most vicious rivers in the country. To say the ride down would be white knuckle would be about the understatement of the century. Over a dozen years of expectations, hope, and dreams were now rolled into this one frantic ride down the river. The souls of the thousands who had started out on the trail only to perish along the way due to starvation, cold, disease, or one of the other seemingly endless ways the American West sought to punish those it deemed unworthy of the promise of the Oregon Trail, now followed me. The Oregon Trail is a video game. It's fanciful, largely lighthearted, and without question one of the most iconic and beloved games for a generation of school children. The impact it had on games and how people view them, of history and people's understanding of it, an ambition and its pratfalls and soaring successes is near incalculable. The Oregon Trail is also, however, a real, devastatingly deadly trail of the broken promises, dreams, and hopes of people simply seeking a better way of life for themselves and their families out west. It is a trail that symbolizes so much of the very best and worst of humanity.
It is a trail steeped in one of the most fundamental and human of all emotions. Hope. Hope that tomorrow can be better than today. Hope that we are special. Hope that this impossible, savage, and beyond our understanding of a world can maybe, just maybe, hold wondrous and amazing things in it. Hope that the cry uttered from the birth of man, that impossible is nothing, is a truth and not simply a desperate wish from all of us. I carried this with me as I looked out at the titanic, churning body of water in front of me. As I let my eyes wander to the horizon and let myself be deceived by the fact that it appeared as if the river went on forever. In this moment, I let myself think, let myself hope that one simple and powerful thought. Why not me? Why not today? And so I started onto the Columbia River and I sailed towards the horizon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a best of article read. I am Alex O'Neill, uh, your your question asker and name taker. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm here to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for uh, for this audio read, I'm joined by the writer, the reader, Mr. Logan Wilkinson. Hi, thank you for having me, Alex. Of course, welcome to my home. Oh, <laughs> my I'm home touching, of, yeah, of I'm, I'm, I'm actually in Maryland right now. I'm just touching Alex's thigh. Yeah, you don't know. You can't see us. Don't judge. All right. Um, so we're talking about um, my Oregon Trail mm-hmm. period, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, it's a piece I'm a big fan yes. of. I think you like quite a bit, but not as much as some of the other things you've mm-hmm. written. Um, there's a little bit of setup that I want to kind of have with yeah. this. Obviously, you just read the feature, so folks can can have heard it. They They've witnessed, bared witness to it to some extent. Um, and you have a little bit of a preamble to the feature, uh, which I believe wasn't there initially. I think I told you that there should be some kind of setup that for this. That sounds right. Um, this is the first of what I would call a Logan Wilkinson feature. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, it's like a first-person narrative yeah. feature. Right, would be like the technical way to describe it. Um, You have written a handful more of these for AshleyPassions.com. Yeah, Uh, it is. It is. You've you've kind of embraced it. I think there's. My feeling is like I having this blindsided me when you you gave this to me. Uh, I think there is there is place for this and there is place for without it. But I think especially the way you integrated it into the Oregon Trail, the video game, um, and and the kind of cultural, historical aspect of it, too, um, I think was was really excellent. So the, f- the first thing 
you know, I'll save that for later because I had like a first question, which we, we had talked on a little bit before we started recording, but that might look better now after we've talked about it a little bit. I do have a question yeah. and it's not really about the piece. What version of the organ trail were you playing? Oh God. When you wrote this? When I wrote this, it would have been probably just one I could find on like whatever one was online that is like free to play, which they have a few. Um, I mm-hmm. absolutely do not know the exact version. I know that when I grew up and played Oregon Trail, it was the one that my computer classes throughout various Nixa schools um, had, which would have been like probably like on like from on like a Mac from like '94 or something like that, like that kind of version, like or yeah. like what I grew up on and played and like remember vividly in my mind. Uh, for the uninitiated. What is the Oregon Trail like? The game itself, like, what is what do you do in that game? Yeah, so it seems so weird to like have to explain it, but like, it actually is the thing that people aren't playing in schools anymore. Um, the Oregon Trail is a video game about navigating and surviving, crucially, the Oregon Trail, which is an actual real life trail that runs from Missouri to Oregon, namesake of the trail. Um, and in the game, you have to do that by like deciding on supplies to bring like when to go hunting when not to go hunting like which routes to take like to ford a river or not to go like a longer route or a shorter route and then also like when to leave on the trip too do you like do you go in the spring summer like fall like when do you leave and kind of navigate in that and it's basically just the trial and tribulations of that trail um it's a point and click kind of choose your own adventure game in a lot of ways um with like a few like hunting kind of essentially mini games thrown in but like i would say the kind of key calling card to the oregon trail is that it's really hard um yeah it's really really hard like i i said it in the piece but like i had never beaten the oregon trail before i played it for this piece like i'd never beat it before my entire life and like part of that was the fact that like computer class was 50 minutes long and so I had a time limit to beat it in in computer class. And part of that is the fact that, like, the game's really hard. And, like, it'll just, like, throw curveballs at you. Like, a wheel will break or an oxen will die. You'll ford a river and shit will fall off or somebody will drown. And then the big thing is that people will get sick. I mean, like, dysentery, cholera, measles, like, all smallpox will just wipe out your crew on it. It's usually, like, a five-person crew. And just devastate you guys, right? And so the game is brutally hard, like the actual trail was. And so it became this kind of challenging, educational, like exciting adventure um, that like would bring like half the class over whenever you would play it. And you'd kind of challenge each other, name your fr- like friends and put them in the game. And it is like, I feel like a staple of school for like 90s kids was playing Oregon Trail in computer class or whatever they had. It's funny because I like I witnessed a lot of people playing this game in my computer class and never played it myself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because because it seemed boring from the outside in, like retrospectively, I think I would have been really into it as a kid, yeah. but I didn't necessarily that's get right, there. Right. Um, yeah, I like I think for me, and the reason I wanted to be the one to talk to you about it, and and the reason why this maybe edges out uh, some of your other. Mm-hmm. Uh, first person writings uh and, and and the kind of core question that i was going to ask i skipped over is like why does this not necessarily live up to that standard which i don't want to talk about now we can revisit it at the end here um but the reason i i really love this piece 
uh, is because I think it is one. I, I feel like it's the most you because it it just so happens to be this middle ground between these three things that you love, like video games, history, and storytelling. Yeah. Um, and I think like what elevates this piece in particular uh, is is how you integrate what you know about the Oregon Trail mm. as an adult who loves history into the writing of it. Uh, these kind of landmarks that that you talk about, I feel you have so much more perspective on now, and it just it it further enriches the things that you write about. Um, I'm curious if, and I don't know if you remember this, I'm, you read it today, so uh, I'm sure you do at this point, but <laughs> is the reason that you don't like this because you use Greatness Awaits, the at-the-time PlayStation tagline? No, I mean, like... <laughs> at that, some point in this article. That's definitely the reason why I love it more, in fact. Uh, no, like, yeah. I do read into it, like, even at the time I read into it again, it is interesting because those kind of historical cutaways or, like, facts are, like, I begin it, like the first time I mentioned, the fact that like the Oregon Trail starts in Missouri, right? And like, mm-hmm. I think an important part of this piece and also the Rocket League piece, which is I feel like kind of a companion piece in a lot of ways, or kind of like the follow-up piece, um, and then maybe to a lesser degree the Night in the Woods piece is the fact that like I grew up in Missouri, right? And like that means something, right? Like it's just like it's in, it's intangible to who I am in the same way like you you grew up in Maryland, like that's just who like it's informed who you are as a person. Right. And for me, what that means is a lot of good things um, and I guess bad things, too. But in particular, the fact that like nothing happens in Missouri, right? Like no stories are set in Missouri, right? Like no like no legends or adventures or anything exciting takes place in Missouri. Right. And so like when something does happen in Missouri, as a kid growing up there, I was really excited about that. I was like loved as like an extra kind of cool. Like this is like I know this place. Like I've been to this place. I've like I've been to Independence or like St. Louis or Kansas. Like I know these towns. I've walked these streets, right? Like I got kind of extra level of excitement in it, right? And so the fact that the Oregon Trail, this like amazing, arduous, epic, um, terrifying adventure begins in Missouri always made me love it and like always kind of helped captivate me even more, right? And like my entire class loved that fact. We love the fact that like this thing was ours like it was partially kind of our connection to us like it was tied to us um and so like i always knew going in that like i would at least share that kind of fact about it and then going on it just felt natural to kind of include those other kind of historical notes i touch on right because like partially because as you mentioned i am just somebody who who loves history and has a passion for history and even as a kid i had one right and also partially because I try to be cognizant of the fact that there are things that I know that aren't that aren't like common knowledge, right? Like I like I'm more the fact that like most kids weren't reading presidential biographies when they were five years old. Most kids weren't like learning about presidents when they were five. They didn't give a shit. Um, and so I try to be aware of that fact and try to like provide background information that will kind of help flesh it out more. And I think maybe kind of rub off some of my own excitement and what I pulled out of the game or the story um, as well to kind of heighten it for the reader as well. And like that's what I try to do with those kind of moments. And also because the Oregon Trail is buck wild, right? And like I think adding those moments helps kind of add that thing to it, right? It helps kind of add the sense of drama and the tension and the stakes involved with the trail, right? And the fact that like tying it into like the actual trail, both in the game and in my narrative, I think, 
I think adds to kind of why the kind of flourishes of drama I add to it make sense and work with it and kind of don't feel cheap or forced or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think like the, 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 the benefit of that, of like how seriously you take it, it, it adds to the drama of reading it. Cause it reads like a story, right? Like my, one of my favorite parts of it is then Charles got cholera is like, yeah. it's such a great, it's such a great climax, right? It's, it's the very middle of the piece. Uh, it, it changes the tone, mm-hmm. right? It takes us from this uplifting moment into like the downward spiral. Yeah. Um, and it is like, in a way, rereading, reading the piece, you get the feeling that you get playing the yeah. game. Which is like, I think like the top tier of video games writing is always trying to reach for that, right? Um, and and you you kind of walked into it so casually here, uh, and I, I love Thank that. Um, I think my I, like my biggest question, and I, I might have asked you this when you wrote it, but I certainly don't remember now because that was like two years ago. Yeah. Um, wh- where did this start? Like, did you start knowing it was going to be like first person? retelling of you playing the game or did it start as something else and and you kind of reconfigured it into that yeah that's an interesting one um i knew that i like for for a while i just i'd wanted to like genuinely i just wanted to play oregon trail again right like i'd ever since i'd been a kid right and had me to beat it i've been like well i wonder if i could do that i wonder if i could beat this game right and so that was partially like i wanted to do something with that game and then i was like well I write about games. I can like figure out a way to do a story within that. And then I would say the, when I kind of decided first person aspect of it was, I think honestly, when I started playing it and it naturally made sense to kind of make this into a, well, why don't I just make it set in that world? Why don't I just make it as like these characters are going through this journey and almost like chronicling what happens, right? Cause like it, it felt so natural to that kind of, world and who these characters be right like especially in like the 19th century right like chronicling like having like a diary and like recording what happens on like a day-to-day basis or week-to-week basis is a thing that people did right and like a lot of explorers and kind of like navigators and surveyors of that era would write books after if a if they made it but b like they would write books after they kind of got back or after they made it and so it even kind of was a weird like Mike used to be like well it's like a historically accurate thing too I could just say right if somebody called me on it um but it was also the thing of like I don't know if I've ever had a piece maybe with the exception of one that I that I sent off and was less sure about right like this is like this is the piece certainly at the time where I was like I have no idea what Alex is going to think of this I was like I was like I'm not sure he's going to like this at all and I was like, I'm not sure he's going to think it's like this format of it is okay. And then it's like also like, and also like I am admittedly talking about a game that is two decades plus old and doing it in a very weird manner. Um, and it is like kind of the introduction of like the just pure, like you mentioned earlier, this is a Logan Wilkinson ass piece. And mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to go over it. And so like certainly at the time it was the most like, anxious i was in terms of like i don't know what the reaction is going to be which i think also goes back into like we mentioned before we recorded why your eventual comments meant so much more to me then where it's like all right cool 
this did lame. This did have like an effect I want to have and then be on my wildest dreams kind of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think like people that read it, if I remember correctly from the time, were also yeah. kind of echoed. It, is, it wasn't just... No, like, and it's it's Jarrett and George's favorite thing that I've written as well um, on the site. Mm-hmm. So that, it, that I think to me is something that I do value about this piece a lot. I do like it about it, even with my like, kind of issues with it at the time then going forward like it was very much like the start of something um in terms of like right and sound kind of embrace and that more and more and lean into a direction more and more um mm-hmm. this is where that all began this is where like it was kind of like that leap of faith and then seeing the reception maybe be like all right cool like i can i can do more stories like this and it'll have some sort of an audience and will be positively received that so like that that's a lingering question for me. So you did you did you re, you reached Oregon. You you did it, mm-hmm. right? Cuz you never say you never say in the Yeah, piece. it's engine. So I've lived a lie my entire it's, last 2 years. It's engine because at the time we talked this is one thing I remember in particular is that you said that you love the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger, right? Like that Yeah. And that was a literal cliffhanger yeah, almost. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a very deliberate decision. I I deliberately especially like when I first started writing it, I didn't really know how I was going to end it. I didn't really know where I wanted to stop. And then getting to that point, I was writing, and it was like, because I had more, obviously, to tell, um, theoretically. Yeah. And I got to that point, and was like, this is the ending, right? Like, I'd actually written more past that, and then I deleted it, and was like, this is this is better. Like, I liked it. I yeah. liked it of just, like, ending on that and being like, you don't know what happens to the party. You just have to... It's like, it's them taking a leap of faith, right? It's them kind of eyeing the horizon and just going for it and maybe they don't make it maybe they do and like once i kind of had the day it was like i like this better um but irl yeah like i did i did finish work i did beat the game for the first and only time um it was pretty it was pretty lit uh <laughs> but like it was, it was so cool at the time but yeah like i i did and like but that that ending is what i had kind of very much is like the thing that I'm the most proud of still to this day is how I ended the piece. Yeah, I like my. I, I guess like my feeling too is it, it. It is. It echoes a lot of some of my favorite pieces like Inception or, mm. or or whatnot. That that kind of like the the way things go in the reader's mind is dependent on kind of their personality type of like are are you more positive are you more negative? Yeah, right? it's so it's in my heart. Obviously, I've carried the the belief that you did get make it yeah for two years it is nice to have affirmation and and you know don't let that take away from what you took away from it no. if you read it, it what's interesting because i've had people talk to me about this piece before this piece that like the indian i feel like has i've had the most people talk to me about where i've had people who say that like they assumed that they didn't make it right like they yeah that they were like oh like you they didn't make it they died in the end and like it was it's kind of like a downbeat note and i always find that like super interesting because i think it's to me, at least, it reads as like one of the most kind of hopeful, like deliberately so, Indians. But they kind of read it very differently. And it is something that I I do really love and like enjoy with the piece of it. It is so wide open to interpretation, like in a way that like I didn't even necessarily think at the time. Um, and so I always like enjoy that about it, right? And like going forward, um, you'll see that in a few of the things. Just which the irony of irony is here being the fact that like. I also have a piece on irrationalpassions.com about how I don't love bullshit ambiguous Indians sometimes, um, which is one of my least favorite things in the site, but mainly blame inside for that and how furious it was at that Indian. But 
um but like it's bled over to this like me doing this kind of more slightly open to interpretation ending led to that kind of spilled over into a few other things i've written um yeah and and one piece that will never be published in the site but that was about red redemption 2 that was just wildly open to interpretation in like a million different ways um mm-hmm. and like flirting with that idea and like exploring that idea more in certain things i do um and I think it fit this particular piece really well, right? Like, you don't need... This is, like, the literal definition of, like, it's about the journey, right? Like, that's, like, literally, right? And you don't need to know how it ends. It's just about kind of how they got there and where they're going and what they were going for, I think. Yeah, and, like, kind of what I was alluding to a little bit earlier, I think there's just very few bits of video game writing that leave you kind of sweating at the end. Yeah, like, right. a little bit of, like, like pulling at your collar uh, and one author in particular that, that you and I and Jarrett Green also adore is Kara Ellison. And I think like she she's done some like browser based games that that certainly evoke a lot of the same feelings I get when I read this Absolutely. this article. And I, I think I think it was after I read this that I told you you should check out yeah the stuff that she does. Um and, and like so yeah like I mean you linked me to when I did this you linked me to your favorite article of hers um which I read. Yeah, the, the Dota yes. one, right? And at the time I read it, um, it became, in that second, my favorite piece of games read in ever read. Um, it, and it's like, it's, it's very similar to yeah. this in that, but it's like her perspective and it's in real life. Yeah, and it's really good. Around games, yeah. And it's very good. Her book too is phenomenal. Again, you, again, like you introduced me to Carrie Ellison is also one of my favorite things about this is like, that's where my like love of her writing began is here and like reading her book and reading her other writing and just like, devouring anything she just writes um all shit from here so like again like in so many ways i feel like this is kind of a, a like a relaunching point for me um in terms of like my writing um and so mm-hmm. like i have i have that appreciation for this piece in that way as well yeah and i think like keep in mind like it's a lot of those things that that make this one of my favorite things that you've written it's it's the the perfect storm and also the time when it came out and the fact that it was like the first of these. And another part of it is I like, uh, in the last three paragraphs, like you, uh, to use a George Cruz term here, you break kayfabe, um, and, and kind of step away and talk about this, this true, just deverence or deverence or reverence. One of the two, uh, reverence for, uh, Oregon trail that you have. Uh, and I love too that what you say speaks is is like a reflection on the the thing that people have been reading themselves, but also it works as this like flawless transition into back into kayfabe, mm-hmm. back into character uh, at the very end in the last sentence, uh, which is like part of why I love the ending of this this piece so much. Um, how do you because like I think the breaking kayfabe is a thing that you don't really do in these kinds of pieces anymore and I don't know if it would help or hurt them Uh, how do you feel about that it's interesting because getting to that section here it's it's very strange right like that that paragraph in particular there's so much happening it it is a yeah to use to stick with that the bit here like it is breaking out of kayfabe and kind of diving back into it and it's weird. I don't write like that anymore, right? Like, if you when you get to like my Rocket League piece, which is about like four or five months later, I've largely ditched that. I think I've one moment where like I semi break out, and even that is like sort of whatever. 
Um, and that's like the beginning of the piece. And then by the time I get to like other things, I've, I've basically completely abandoned it. Um, and it's, it's, it's really funny then reading stuff like Quinn, who has done a few things like this and talks about kind of environments in games. Um, and he will kind of pop in and out of kayfabe to, to use that expression. To use the George Cruz yeah. original um, term. <laughs> and like seeing it there and be like, oh man, this is like, this is how I kind of started these kind of pieces. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I think I've kind of turned away from that in a lot of ways. And I don't know if that does strengthen or not. Um, I don't know. It felt natural at the time to kind of slowly veer away from that. Right. Like again, like, I think I, it was something I, I pushed on you to keep that in mind. Like you can blame me. No, bit, but like, it is interesting. Like I never even thought about it until now that you mentioned that, but it is interesting because I think that's partially why I view this as like the half step, right? Like it is like, the slow transition right like I'm, i've viewed into this first person let me tell you a story within a game thing um but haven't like embraced it wholeheartedly yet like in the manner that i will by the time of like the night in the woods piece that i'll write and the rocket league piece that i'll write and so it feels like this kind of like in between transition thing and if you know anything about me like the in between transition things are usually not my favorite right like shot to goblet of fire mm-hmm. being my least favorite harry potter book um mm-hmm. And so, like, I think part of my, like, not complicated, but, like, why I love it a bit less than some other things is because of that, too. Um, but, like, that paragraph, it is, like, I like that paragraph because I think it is so many of my thoughts on the game, the trail, and, like, it it is, like, essentially, like, the thesis of the entire piece distilled into that one paragraph um, about, like, what the trail presents just for like the people who actually did it and also playing the game and like what it just shows I think about like who we are right like the very best and worst of humanity and our kind of ambitions and dreams and hopes and fears and like mistakes and where that can take us and where it can lead us and like whether or not it can help us like achieve some semblance of like redemption um and kind of absolve us of like the sins and mistakes we made in the past or they're not like it just leads us down a road where we just kind of we can't escape those things, right? Or we're like, we're not able to like let go of these things, right? And I think the Oregon Trail is like this really brilliant kind of cross where you kind of are laid bare. And Mm -hmm. I think the game really showcases that beautifully to me. Because the game is like, it's super tragic and sad and somber, but it's also like beautiful in its bleakness. And I think it's also, it can be like, uplifting in that kind of tragedy right and like to me just because something ends in loss or like death in the case of the Oregon Trail like doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't also like worth it or that like growth didn't happen they weren't made better by it right like it is that journey there right like and so in a way that like Hellblade also to me represents that very similar thing it's about the path and like what you kind of experience and what you kind of open yourself up to undergoing it. And I think that's true of Oregon Trail as well. And so I, that was something that like I was very intent on conveying from the get go where it's like playing these games as a kid meant something to me in a, in a way that I couldn't express because I was a seven, eight, nine year old, 10 year old kid, but it definitely had an effect on me and it had an effect on the kids I played with. And then dive back into it as a 20-something, you know, semi-adult. I was like, hey, like, I have words that I 
that can sort of express my feelings and thoughts and emotions on this game and what it what it can be i think mm-hmm. i i'll say this like for me stories that are that are kind of in that transitionary period i think maybe appeal to me i don't want to say the most but maybe the most um but but a lot because from for for me at least in my own personal explorations of that they tend to be the the place that point in the narrative is usually where feeling is the most raw because I think you're still learning things on both sides instead of only on one or only on the other. Um, and it, it's in the middle where I think most of everything happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like most video game stories are in their own way, like that transitionary period, just in a like front to back. Sure. Um, and, and I love that. And I love just being able to, I, I, you might have the benefit of, of being the editor that got to kind of, see you work on this and 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 see you find out things about one format versus the other last question i i had is a tough one mm. uh it's a it's a little bit of a hardball so forgive me if it if it brings out maybe too many frustrating emotions uh but i think like this is where you kind of found this voice mm. this first person voice uh and i think you've you've explored it in other ways too which i i like uh, and then I think you've tried to use it in, in other instances like this unpublished Red Dead piece. Uh, and I think it hurt you more than it helped. Mm. Uh, like for you, um, always always trying to up your, your own writing game, which I think just speaks to you and, and, and always looking for your voice, um, which is something I, I, I'm, I am envious of, I would say. But do you think like that maybe this discovering like writing like this and, and leaning into writing like this has been more uh, a crutch that's held you back uh, versus one that has expanded your view of video games writing. I think that first of all, I love this question. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to bring it, you know, but I think my answer to that is that if you'd asked me that question a year ago, even, or maybe even like six months ago, but certainly a year ago, my answer would be very different than it would be now. Um, in a world before Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> yeah, but no, but like, <laughs> because like me and you have talked at large off like camera, off mic, whatever, about like our, I think, frustrations last just last year in general, but mm-hmm. creatively too, right? And I think part of that for me was... I don't know if crutch is even the right word. Um, part of it, I don't know either. Part of it is the fact that like I really love that Rocket League piece. It is very, it very generally might be my favorite thing I've ever written. Like I, I really love that Rocket League piece. And the issue became, all right, how do I top this? Right? How do I do better than this? Like yeah. the piece that I love. And I think I've written things that I really like that came after that. I think I really like that Night in the Woods piece, partially because like I think it conveys my very different thoughts and opinions on the game um i think compared to like kind of the more mainstream um reception to how that game made people feel um but i also think that i don't held back even a weird way like i think it trapped me into a thing in some ways of trying to use the same tools to craft a narrative and craft a thing and then what that led to at times certainly last year was me just kind of spiraling into like well i don't I, I can't even, like, I can't find ways to 
convey my thoughts within a within this format that is like that is the Logan Wilkinson branded team format. And so then I just become creatively frustrated and like will end up writing the thing, but not really love it, right? Like I don't even know the last thing I wrote that I love. Like I mean like not absent of like previews because they're a very different beast. But like mm-hmm. I don't even I wouldn't even know. Maybe the thing I did in Bloodborne I think is pretty cool. Um Yes. It's a very good one. But even, but even, that's an interesting one too because even that one is it's it's like the anti Myron Trail and the anti Rocket League piece. But it's like it is the it is the absence of the hope, right? It's the absence of like the light, and it's like me focusing on that and like having a really fun time with it because it is so different. So like it allowed, at least it was something very different from those pieces, right? But like when I try to kind of bleed into, hey, like here's I'm I am this hopeful optimistic person. And I want to write these first-person native stories. How do I do that? It can be hard at times. It can be difficult at times. And yeah, I mean, like, unquestionably, the ultimate culmination of that, and again, like, just the fucking white whale um, that is the bane of my existence is just Red Dead Redemption 2 in general, which, like, which we, we do joke a lot about, it, but, like, which just came so close just breaking me, right? Like, thank God for game that just give me some sort of reprieve, but, like, I was so creatively spent by that game. And, like, in so many ways, right? Like, I because that game also just is so frustrating in general, right? Like, it's hard to, um, I think, define and grasp thoughts and opinions on that game in an effective way, right? And, like, Jared has said, I really agree, that, like, the hardest things to write and talk about are aren't games that you love and it's not games that you hate it's those games that are kind of in the middle that are this this weird void of fine to good but i don't you just it's just messy um yeah. but not in like a fun way and that's very much a red dead redemption 2 to me and so i just became just utterly lost and like i like there are legitimately probably a dozen maybe more drafts of various red dead redemption 2 things that i've written only a few of which you've even seen um yeah and because it, and like that game just like broke my creative brain and energies and like game of the year came out at the perfect time to where i was able to like recharge and be replenished by that but also it was i mean like i think the ending of last year broke a lot of like what i held on to as like kind of sacred truth in terms of writing and in terms of just like doing stuff in general within this industry. Um, which is why I said that again, like you asking me this question now is very different, right? Like two years after this piece came out and some change. Um, and with like five months of this year into it, so I had kind of had some time to reflect on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I think the answer is maybe right. Like, but it's, but then it becomes a thing of like, it's almost scary to think of like, well, how else would I even write at this point now? Like, and it's like that scary and exciting thing of like doing a different style of writing, like leaning into a different thing and like exploring different avenues and like features and writings, right? Like I still think I don't write enough. Um, like I still don't think that my feature output is dramatically below where it was. And part of that is the fact that like, we're just a bigger team and there are more of us and we have to edit work now we have to edit more things and like we us like as senior staffers quote unquote ha- involves us having different hats on that involve different kind of responsibilities um which is which is what it is right like which is fun in its own way and rewarding in its own way yeah. i think me and you each agree to that um but i do think that part of the reason why i don't write as much as i used to is because i am just i mean like i certainly i was creatively frustrated in terms of like how do i 
top of this thing that I did that I really loved. Um, and so my answer to your question, I guess, is I don't even know if crutch is the right way as much as like it almost it led to this really great boon, I think, of creativity and ideas and sparks and like pieces that I really like this like six month stretch of like things I wrote, like basically every single one of them I like really, really enjoyed writing and like loved and had a great time with. And then I had like this like really great moment and really good stretch. And then basically it was a year of me being like, I don't know how to follow that up now. I was, I was like, I was like too good. And I'm like, damn, I don't know why I, I didn't have, I don't have any ideas to follow <laughs> it up with. And I don't have a good sequel day at all. I mean, I, basically 2018 was my Bioshock 2. It's like, man, I don't know. I'm just spent. I don't know where to go. Uh, I'm just going to kind of rely on a lot of what I did before and just see how that takes me. Um, Here's Yakuza Kiwami 2. Dude, dude, like that is such a like, Great, because like the, the Yakuza Kwame one is like one of my absolute. That piece was so much fun to write, and it was like it's incredible. It was such a it's great, yeah, piece. like personification of like that. You and me just being like, I have so many ideas. It's a like, review too yeah. of like of all things. Yeah. It's like a review. But it's a great, it's, like, yes. and I had so much fun writing that. Right, and then the second one is like the personification of like, man, what a just mess that I'm just just found myself in here. That's like I think that's like the my my only like the concern that that led to the question for me is like it is so apparent in the Oregon trail and the rocket league piece and even the bloodborne piece to some extent uh, that like you savored every word mm. that you wrote. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get there again. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the pushing and it's, it's the, what we can take from this Oregon trail piece. Mm. Like how, what, what was it that, that got us there? What, what was it? And I think a lot of that for me and, and the, the feelings that it left with me are like, this is the perfect cross section between history games and storytelling that I think embodies like all my favorite aspects of your writing. Mm. And I think that's why it it is stood the test of time, so to speak for me. Mm. Thank you. It's very nice. Of course. Yeah. Read, read it. I mean, or go back and re listen to you reading it now with this information. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I think my, my hope is that this conversation enriched the piece mm-hmm. even more so it certainly did for me yeah so um but it's very good thank you do you like it more now i think it definitely like like most things like getting to talk about it reminded me of like yeah of all the things that kind of right the car ellison connection right and like the kind of the start of like this like stretch of like really great writing things that i think i did and like this spark of creativity um i think it reminded me of like the good moments that kind of spawned from it and came from it. Um, like kind of the spark it provided. And I'm waiting for like a yes or no. So yes, I I enjoyed that. (laughs) I enjoy what came after. Right. And like how I felt because 2017 was just bananas. Um, yeah, it was a wild year. Yes, it was a wild ride for all of us. Yes. Uh, before we, we started recording, I told Logan, my mission was to make him like it more this article more for one reason yeah. or another. And I won. <laughs> I have won. I didn't realize it was a competition. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You're the hero too. <laughs> I have saved the day. Uh, Logan, if people want more of your sometimes Oregon trail related mm-hmm. ramblings, where can they get it? Uh, you can follow me at Lefty Logie on all the social media accounts. Um, and then all of my various write-ins on rashpassions.com including the podcast that I host alongside Jerry Green and George Cruz, which is Input. We're getting very close to episode 100. Please let us know what to do for that. We have ideas, but most of them are bad. Um, and so we'd like good ideas. 
I keep uh, hyping it up on a Rational Passions podcast. I want you to know, like, yeah, dude, input episode one hundred is coming up soon. They got I'm some very, wild plans. I'm very excited about it. Like, and like, I like it's one of those things where it's like in the midst of kind of tied into this piece too. Like in the midst of like all the like the trials and tribulations and like awesome stretches and bad stretches of like writing. I feel like I've had since this happened because this piece came out before input by like a month or two um input has is just something that i like am immensely proud of and so to get that milestone is like i know jared doesn't care about milestones and numbers really um george has been in a college induced haze for at least the past five or six months um but i am very proud of it and i'm very excited about it i'm finding somebody to celebrate it is something that i'm i'm very much looking forward to it's gonna be it's it, it is a milestone worth celebrating. Thank you. I think. Uh, so I and it, it is a big deal because you guys. One episodes. There, I mean, there just there's so many shows that we just don't get that number right. Like it's it is just like it's cool in that sense. Even just like man, like we've done this thing to. That's what you talk about for IPP all the time. Where it's like we've done it right. Like we committed to this. We've done this thing for 100 episodes, and like that's yeah, that's no small feat I, in its own way. I've lived and died through watching small websites and yeah. podcasts start and end. So, yeah, yeah, like and they're and they, that's no disrespect to like people who doesn't do it. Like it's they're yeah. not easy. It's tough, yeah, though. it's tough and it's hard. And like especially I, thinking about this, I really hope this comes out before Input One Hundred. It definitely will. <laughs> yeah, like and so yeah, like IPP and Input, especially like those kind of solid shows where like you have to do them weekly. You have to come up with like stories and news. It's like it is. It is not easy, right? And like a, a buddy of mine is trying to like launch a podcast now. And it's like, all right, it's it's not easy. It's gonna be hard, but like, I don't know, like just do it, I guess. And then like, just do it, yeah. And then see what happens. See what ha- like that's always my thing. Like, and granted, me and you are at this point just so on the face of it, like Greg Miller shills. But oh, like, we're insane. Yeah, like we're absolutely we're Greg Miller shills who like took the advice and took the like Kool Aid and like went way too hard in the paint for it. But like, just do it, right? And like ultimately, like if you don't love it then like don't continue to it necessarily but like you won't know until you try right and like you won't know how it feels until you do it a few times and do it a few weeks and i'm very just proud like of that oregon, and i'm very proud just like the oregon trail yeah dude. of ipp episode 400 and 500 and 600 and every one of those it'll hit so yeah, check out input god let's 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 hope we get there um uh, thank you everybody so much for listening i imagine there are more articles you can go listen to and more uh, conversations about said articles. Hopefully this isn't too self-indulgent for you, but I feel like it's fun to look back on on your favorite things as time has gone on. Um, uh, Thank you, everyone. Uh, We love you. Uh, Bye. Bye.